The ETF Edge podcast is sponsored by Invesco QQQ, supporting the innovators changing the world. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Welcome to ETF Edge, the podcast. If you're looking to learn the latest insights on all things exchange-traded funds, you are in the right place. Every week, we're bringing you interviews, market analysis, and breaking down what it all means for investors. I'm your host, Bob Pisani. Today on the show, with the economy slowing down and a Federal Reserve pivot on the horizon, how should ETF investors be positioning themselves? Plus, the markets had a sizzling July rally. What were the biggest trends driving the gains? We look at why bond funds and growth are back on investors' radar right now and why actively managed ETFs also starting to pick up some steam. Here's my conversation with Ben Slavin. He's the global head of ETFs at BNY Mellon, along with Andrew McCormand. He's managing director and founding partner at Wallach Beth Capital. Andrew, I, I was surprised to find sizable inflows into bond funds. So corporate, uh, I saw uh, government, uh, even high yield. Um, I don't normally cover a lot of inflows uh, because it's hard to figure out what it means. Yeah. But it did st- stuck out, stick out to me given that we saw outflows in bond funds for right. a good part of the year. Does this mean anything, these inflows? We've well, I think it was cash. You, I mean, there's been any selling at all, it's been short term. And that's basically cash any, right? If you're in bill, B-I-L, E-T-F, you're basically in cash, right, with like a little bit of a kicker. So it's been people dipping their toes into the water. You're coming out of, or what's going to be a U-shaped recovery, I believe. It might already be. If you compare it to COVID, which was a clear V. Um, so the money that's flowing into TLT and GOVT, $9 billion. Six billion into HYG and J and K. So I think the real the real move is institutional investors starting with bonds to, to play the recovery. Eventually, they'll move on equities. So, uh, you know, I'm wondering, Ben, your thoughts on this, your thoughts on bond inflows and what they meant. I again, I'm not sure historically if it's worth covering this in, in an in-depth manner, but I saw inflows into treasury bonds. Uh, LQD, which is the corporate bond ETF, had inflows. Uh, JNK, Spider High Yield, uh, USHY, which is the iShares High Yield Corporate, all had nice uh, inflows this month. Does it mean anything? Well, it in part shows a lack of consensus. In part, it also shows or could be masking um, just the dominance of the ETF structure. We've seen significant outflows out of bound mutual funds and inflows across the board into ETF. So there's a little bit of a structural play there. But Bob, as you said, um, we've seen you know flows coming into different parts of this you know to this market. Um, you know, more recently, we've seen flows come in the longer end of the curve, which is actually pretty interesting, and maybe not quite as significant or on top of the leaderboard. But certainly, actively managed fixed income is starting to attract more attention. Where at least certain retail investors and maybe to some degree some professionals as well are just saying, yeah. look. Um, I'll leave it to an actively managed uh, product yeah. or professionals to yeah. handle it at this yeah. market. So a little yeah. bit of everything. Yes. Uh, you, by longer longer term, you mean 20 and 30 year bonds, I yeah. gather. Now, in, in contrast to um, bond flows, Ben, I, I, flows into equity ETF. Now, you tell me you're the expert. It seems kind of flattish to me. Um, there's some growth into some flows into growth funds, maybe some outflows from value, but it doesn't seem titanic to me. And you also highlighted, I asked you about this, um, money into high dividend ETFs like SPHD. Uh, so what are you seeing here in equity flows? Everybody always wants to know what's going on, on the equity side. Of course. I mean, again, there's somewhat of a lack of conviction or consensus here um, with regard to the flow. Um, but yes, um, 
We're seeing investor interest into dividend ETFs, um, which haven't, um, you know, been out of style, um, you know, for over time. But more recently, we've seen an uptick. SPHD is a good example of a product that really kind of sums up um, where investors are at. I would say it's a way to play this market more defensively, but also try to collect some income um, in a way that really avoids, I guess, some of the risk or the perceived risk in the bond market. And we also see in our book at BNY Mellon, really issuers lining up for these type of products. Some of them are passive, you know, dividend oriented. Others are just different types of actively managed ETFs trying in some way to uh, provide a similar type of return stream yeah. for their investors. And high dividend, low volatility, SPHT, of course, has uh, consumer staples, utilities. Yeah, it's, uh, it's actually a defensive play if you're going to yeah. be in equities. Yeah. Uh, you just, know, yeah. it amazes me, uh, Andrew, how much gets bet every day on these uh, short-term levered plays. Uh, I, I look at amazement, the ProShares Ultra S&P uh, and the Ultra QQQ, yeah. which provides twice the, 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 yeah. the returns here. So QLD and SSO are the ones uh, to look at here. Um, and the volumes are just titanic. Every yeah, day. we saw some Friday. I mean, I'm encouraged to see that they're finally working or some investors are using the way they were designed, right? So you don't buy, you know, you don't hedge at the bottom of the market. We saw a 10% pop in the, we talked about this, we saw 10% pop in the NASDAQ, 8% in the S&P. We actually got to even today. But everyone on Friday on my desk and the clients were saying, hey, are we close here? That's a nice move. Now let's hedge a little bit. So it wasn't necessarily a short bet. It's a percentage of the assets buying these pro shares names. You can find any sector you want in direction, short ETFs and levered ETFs. And then it allows you that little bit of hedge. And I do think, you know, again, we're in a U-shaped recovery, not a V. There's no signs that point to this being a V, right? Gas right. is 475 a gallon, right? right? We, we talked about vacation, how much it costs to go away. So I do think it'll be a little bumpy. And when you can, when active investors and active PMs can make these bets. Yeah. Okay, I'm just going to put a little bit short here in case we get a little move down again. That's where they really capture their alpha. So QLD is just for everybody. Make sure everybody's on the same page. Is two times the triple short Q's. Q's. Yep. Yeah. So it's two times the Q's. Yeah. Two times. Yeah. So if it, if triple Q's up one percent, you two percent. Right. If it's here. the long and the yeah, short. Yeah. The long. This is down. the long yep. end of that, and that's been getting a lot of play recently. Yeah. Uh, ben, uh, that being said, we've that's seen a, Wood. a strong ten percent rally <laughs> yeah. in tech. Um, 8% in the S&P or 9% in July. Uh, so maybe people want to hedge the latest rally and get, you know, get other kinds of exposure. Um, there are people who think the lows could be retested fairly easy. So there's a lot of stuff out there that provides downside protection. And that keeps popping up, I see occasionally. Uh, stuff that provides option collars seem to be popular. So I'm looking at this QYLD, which is the NASDAQ 100, 100 covered calls. And it it tracks an index that holds the NASDAQ 100 stocks, and it sells call options uh, on those stocks, essentially, to collect the, the, the premiums here. Uh, and the problem, uh, Ben, Andrew, is that these products are uh, hard to explain to people, really hard. There's, there's others out there uh, that are also hard to right. explain, but they're popular amongst a certain trading community. Sure. What, how do you explain it to people? We'll say, all right, I need some downside protection. Can you, I think is, when you, is there a problem with the complexity of these products? Yeah, I mean, surely if you don't understand, like, I mean, obviously the levered ones, but these covered calls are a little bit different. You just basically can tell the people like, okay, you're going to limit your losses to the downside, right? That's number one. You want to limit, you don't want to go off 30% drawdown anymore. You know this, but if you sell options, 
right, and, and the market moves against you, you'll be protected, but you're going to just reduce your upside. So you reduce your upside potential for these, you know, markets up 30%, or how come I'm up 20? Well, because you are buying protection the whole time. It's, it's, it's really a risk appetite, right, Ben, for what kind of that client wants. If they don't want the risk, this really is their only option, because it is very complex to try to hedge on your own. And that's why they're a good tool. So that's a good point. So ben, maybe respond to that, because it, he's right. I mean, as hard as it is, for me to explain to people what these things do, it's harder for somebody who wants to hedge on their own. They do make hedging a little simpler, right? Yeah. Package. It's good. Look, I think, uh, look, Andrew hit it perfectly, but it's good news, bad news. On the good news side, you know, the toolkit has expanded immensely over the last couple of years, and it's going to continue to grow. That said, the, the negative is really trying to parse all of these different products, really understand what you're owning and and explain that to investors or even advisors who are struggling to keep up with the nuances between these products. So you cited a, you know, a couple different um, products just in the last minute, right? QYLD being one and, and some of the double or triple levered um, you know, products linked to the Qs. Those are two very different return streams out there, and investors, you know, can use them in a way to hedge risk, yeah. um, but yeah. also, you know, provide some other, you know, return stream, yeah. and that that's getting more and more complicated. So, um, you know, again, I think the burden will be on the issuers, yeah. um, and, and to a large degree, the advisors to really kind of weed through all that and, and, and try to understand. I'll, I'll give you, you know, another one that problems. drives me crazy. That seems interesting, but I can't I can't explain it in any simple way. BUFR. Yeah, now, buffer. this is essentially buffer. Like this is four funds um, that buffer declines in the S&P 500, essentially. Right. So they're designed to limit losses. They, they use options with, with spread out expirations Correct. in them. Uh, and it's easy to remember. That's why I'm bringing it up because BUFR is yeah, easy buffer. to remember. No, that's buffer, right. It's easy to yeah. remember. But it's fairly complex. Here. Yes. Well, the spread is good. I mean, look, when you had the products that came out with the futures, like the oil and the energy products, remember those? They were like, hey, we're rolling every month. And so you would have a systematic risk of the, of the ETF being too big. The spread out option collars really allow it to have a smooth transition. And they're laddered. Any, I mean, that's what they are. Yeah. But I, I actually think when you're talking about how do you explain it to investors, well, the name is perfect. You're buffered on both sides. You, you have yeah. limited left. It's literally a collar. Yeah, it's a collar. And I think yeah. that who's it good for? If you have a 50-year-old investor that just went through this process and it was like, I'm not retired yet, but man, I don't want to be down when I am retired in, in 10 years. And you're getting to this period and you still want to be an ETF, so you're an RIA that represents these type of clients. Buffer is going to be a good option for you, for your clients that are in a lower risk, yeah. uh, lower portfolio. Uh, ben, there are the uh, usual attempts out there. Uh, I'm moving on to another topic here, chasing the inflation trade, which hasn't gone away. Um, simplify as an interesting product, PFIX, uh, the Simplify, um, the interest rate hedge ETF, uh, and it provides a hedge against uh, a, a big increase in long-term interest rates uh, by holding um, interest rate options uh, and treasuries and, and treasury inflation-protected securities tips. Uh, this gets crazy complicated to explain this, too, as an effort to just sort of hedge inflation. Yep. Well, yeah, again, here we are again, right, talking about another sophisticated product, but a, another tool investors can use. Yeah, I mean, 
look, TIP is a monster, um, but then there's these products like PFIX that have come along um, that are really trying to isolate um, this concept of providing an inflation hedge. And, and not surprisingly, in the first half, this was an incredible performer. It was at the top of the leaderboard. Obviously, you can see the chart. It has since cooled, right? But there are other products that are coming onto the market that issuers are trying to um, really gain you know, investor interest in to be able to just provide these ways to play. Another great example is really like the like a direction product that just launched BRKY that is designed to provide exposure to commodities that you find at your breakfast table, right? Another yeah. way yeah. for investors to you know try to play you know this inflation trade. But again, um, I think the longer term play and what we're going to see more of is some interest um, in the fixed income ETFs, specifically in the actively managed space. Again, yeah. I think we are seeing some early signs that investors are you know, just yeah. looking for some professional management to, to really help navigate these tricky waters. And it, you know, some early signs that we're seeing flow there and the issuers are lining up to launch product. You know, I'm so old, Andrew. I remember that really the only way to do inflation, play inflation, was TIPS, Treasury, yeah. TIP, the original yeah. one, with Treasury Inflation Protected Securities. Yeah. Whatever happened to that? I mean, it's still there, it's, but I get the sense like there's not enough... It's return. there. But look, there's another new product. So PPI just came out. That's a multi-asset. Um, actually, one of your guests on the show from, I believe it's uh, an RA that comes on your show all the time, is is behind that. That's that's global stocks, commodities, because inflation is not just a U.S. story, right? So the tips are a set product. And even the product we mentioned before that Ben mentioned, PFIX, they're using OTC derivatives that mirror long-term treasuries, right? They're more efficient, makes the product more efficient, makes them charge a little bit less. It's not the same story as, as it was. But hey, the good news is we ruled out Bitcoin as an inflation hedge. So. Well, thank goodness. And by the way, this is the first time anybody's mentioned Bitcoin yeah, on this show, and I'm not out. planning on bringing it up, it's all right? So just, just so you know. I want to move on and talk about, I'm moving to a different subject now, single stock ETFs. We've had eight of them launched recently. Yep. Um, uh, and there's a lot of discussion here. Um, what's going on here? Is there going to be one for every big cap ETF? It seems like that's potential. Like the top 100 are going to get all leverage and inverse ETFs around them. Single stock. Now, Innovator launched uh, a hedge test. Yeah, that's strategy. two kind of different products, right? right. That's like buffer for right. one stock. Right. Yeah. TSLH. It aims yeah. uh, to provide the price Correct. return. Uh, of the Tesla stock up to a cap and hedges the downside risk over a three-month period. Now, that's not a leverage and inverse, but yeah. you, I, I guess what I'm trying to get at here, I want to specifically talk about single stock yes. ETFs in general. It is a single stock yep. ETF with a buffer. Um, wh wh why now with all of these products and how do you feel about them? I believe they came out due to the popularity of the retail trader. Mm. And again, they saw, I, you know, just because you can lose, so... To keep it simple, if you, short a, if you short a stock, you have infinite losses, right? That's what the traders need to do. They can short a stock and go to yeah. wherever. Never mind. I've never met anyone who had an infinite, infinite losses, losses but, but it's on paper. Theoretically, no, yes. Theoretically. You can only lose, but you could, let's say, right, forget infinite. You can lose three times what you put into Tesla by shorting. You yeah. short $1,000, oh my gosh, I'm down 3000 With this, let's say TSLQ, second most successful launch of an ETF this year. That's the short Tesla. It's only been out a month, right? Dollar in volume. You can now only lose what you put in. Hey, I'm going to bet $1,000 that Tesla's going down. That will eventually go to zero over the course of time, right? Like that most of these ETFs, just like the lever ones do. You'll only lose your $1,000. So it's appealing to those people. And of course... That want to short without the downside of shorting. And no margin. No margin. 
and international investors who can't yeah, show But wait a minute, you're paying 1%? Oh, you're 1. paying. 1.2%? You're paying. It's not free. No, like, oh my God, I just found something. includes the cost to borrow. And I'm sure Ben can speak to that being, yeah. you, know, you know, but the hedge includes the cost to borrow for the, you know, the PM. So it's all factored in. Yeah. But again, the, the, the person on Robinhood can now short. They're going to be happy yeah. about that. Ben, talk about this. What, what's the upside and the downside of these, of these single stock ETFs? I mean, the advantage is, we just said, these single stock levered ETFs, they're more accessible uh, than shorting and using margin. So, uh, but what's the downside yeah, here? Yeah, look, uh, the convenience aspect of that, and I think um, you hit the points perfectly earlier, is is huge, right? But it's important that these products also, you know, have their downsides and, and in many ways, um, you know, work similar to many of the leverage and short products that are out there now, such as the daily reset. And again, this concept that, you know, it's, it is daily and, you know, you're not going to track the cumulative returns over, let's say, a six-month or a 12-month period. But look, the race is on with the ETF issuers. First mover here is key. So you are going to see the spaghetti on the wall approach, in my view. Um, we have a line um, that is growing quickly on our platform to launch these products and bring these to market. So yes, you are going to see um, products pretty much up and down some of the larger, you know, larger mega cap names. And I think you're going to see multiple tickers uh, now for each of those stocks out there. Um, and look, some of these these products are going to be quite volatile. Um, you know, again, you look at the vol of a Tesla, right, or some of the other stocks that, you know, assuming they come out, you are going to see um, some significant risk. Now, you know, again, you can't lose more than you put in. Um, but but again, the betas on these products are going to be very, very high. And there's going to be uh, the traditional confusion um, in the market on how they work. Right. And I think right. so, an added bonus on the tickers. Yeah, I'm sorry. The daily reset, I've been trying to ex explain it for 15 years and people yeah. still can't get their heads around a daily reset on this. Yeah. So what I'm concerned with is the top 100 stocks are all going to have these leverage and inverse ETFs. Uh, and I don't think it's a coincidence that on the week the first group launched, Gary Gensler at the SEC comes out and makes a statement about leverage and inverse in general, yeah. that they're that they're very risky products. Yeah, uh, I don't think that that's a shot across the bow here, even though they have not tried to stop these products. Yeah, they, they obviously had some concerns about their 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 impact on the market yeah. and investors not knowing what they're doing. Well, investors need to look at it. It's going to be the same. I mean, maybe, again, you could bet on like, you know, Commodore computer. Some stocks will go to zero, but the general market doesn't. If you looked at a chart of the short S&P levered ETFs over years, they're all go to zero. I mean, they actually reset, but they go like, you know, because of the daily reset, because the market generally goes up. So that alone, we should, everybody in the show should learn. These are short-term bets, unless you are betting that the stock is going to zero. Right, yeah. Ben? Without a doubt. I mean, but that, Bob, that concept, again, is, is for whatever reason, um, despite some efforts there, just you know, eluded some investors who just, you know, still struggle with that concept. And it's just, again, important to remind investors that, again, um, these products are no different than than the other, you know, sort of index-based products that have been out there for, for years. But possibly yeah. more volatile. Right. With single but, but stocks. That's so I don't think Coke is It resets everything. Yeah. It's not, Coke is not going to be it's the It's not going to move around. Yeah, yeah, that that isn't the issue. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's going to, something around Tesla or something around sure. some other more yeah. high beta GameStop. stuff. GameStop. What if they put around in GameStop, yeah. right? And, and yeah. we're going to be blue in the face saying it's, it's resets daily yeah. and, and it's and still going to happen. And yeah. somebody's going to still have a problem yeah. and they're going to 
we're going to have to go around explaining things again. Correct. To everybody. And that's Charles what, Schwab's got a lot of work to do. That's what I yeah. have a problem with. Yeah, there's going to yeah. be a lot of uh, legal statements around yeah. these things when they launch. Ben, you're going to be very busy with, with your department <laughs> explaining this Always. to everybody in the next few weeks. Now it's time to round out the conversation with some analysis and perspective to help you better understand ETFs. This is the Markets 102 portion of the podcast. Today we'll be continuing the conversation with Andrew McCormick from Wallet Capital. And uh, Andrew, you know, one of the things that's interesting to watch in these fund flows is no matter what happens, the market's up. You still generally are getting inflows into equity ETFs. Markets down this year on aggregate you're still getting equity inflows, particularly into this giant plain vanilla S&P 500 ETFs uh, or anything like that, triple Qs in general. Uh, And it is remarkable to me that I'm sure there's going to be a year when people are going to freak out, but just the flow of money out of mutual funds, actively managed mutual funds into ETFs seems to provide that buffer where... the assets under management just keep going up. Yeah. Ease of use. Okay. People want to do it themselves. Yeah. They're definitely not picking active managers. They're going to pick ETFs. They can see the tickers. They watch CNBC. They get the information they need every day. In addition to that, you know, I would say these kind of markets can give, the market we're in the last two, three months can give active managers a little bit of a boost. But in general, right, what are we going to do? We're going to have a U-shaped recovery. It's going to take some time. The Fed's going to back off. They'll become dovish again. We'll go back to a, a grinding bull market at some point. And it is very hard for active managers to then justify 250 bips, 175 bips. And obviously in the hedge fund world, which is different, it's different investments, but you're getting you know, 2 and 20, it's still 200 bips to start. Chasing what? Underperforming the S&P 500? Right. So it's it's ease of use combined with low cost. We're all we discussed before all the shows today, the consolidation of you know, employees, you know, everything. Uh, dollars are coming in and it's a squeeze and ETFs are such a cheap wrapper. We talked about fixed income. We talked about that. The new iShares high yield, um, which is now only 15 bips to get high yield. Yeah. It, what's amazing to me, too, is just how effectively the ETF community is providing competition to the mutual fund community. So yeah. you now have BlackRock, you have State Street giving out model ETF platforms to their clients. Yeah. You, you can have a BlackRock platform and essentially become like an ETF, a tactical ETF right. manager a PM. At, at, at PM at no cost. Mm-hmm. Essentially, they'll tell you, yeah. they'll provide you, look, you want to. You want high yield? Here's where you go. Yeah. Here's your options. And we'll tell you. Yeah. They, they're practically running. They're not running a mutual fund, but they're running a quasi you know, advisory service in a certain right. way that you can utilize very easily right. and effectively cut out the mutual fund companies. Sure. Well, the RAAs, right? If an RAA's primary focus in the most part is talking to his investors uh, and having a succession plan for the families that are their clients, not picking investments. So what were they doing before? American funds, I need a 60-40, I need an 80-20, I need a a very aggressive, and I need an international. And as you mentioned, it was very astute, BlackRock will come in, say, here's some software, we'll give you all of this for free. You don't need to pay these mutual funds 125 bips anymore. It's literally free. Now we would And what do the software do? What, the software for people who don't understand how remodel. So as you, if you're 40 years old, it has a model. And then when you're 50 years old, the software will tell the RIA, 
sell 20% of his position in the S&P and move it into and you're using 10% all, government say, bonds, BlackRock all ETFs, ETFs right? Yeah, no, or, it's not required. Or, or I'm sure State the Street. S&P printer, they can't walk in there and say, you must use our products. They're just encouraged to. Yeah. And when the model kicks off, obviously, suggestions, it's going to kick off iShares by BlackRock suggestions. It may Think about the time efficiency and the money the RAA is saving by doing this. Versus because the client, of course, would say, well, why am I using American funds? You know, in a down year, we were down 10 percent. Or why am I using Franklin Templeton or any, any mutual fund, not, not picking on any one of them? Um, and then the RA simply says, well, I'll check it out. I'll look at I'll look at the you know, we'll call the PM and or, you know, did you look at the prospectus? You know, those kind of things where customers get lost in the weeds. And this these softwares that the vanguards and the state streets and the and the iShares put out are very easy to read. We're simply rebalancing. You get a statement, hey, I sold an equity ETF, we moved into fixed income, you're safer now. Yeah, and this is what enables you to drive costs down. So yeah, in, even instead of 120 basis points, maybe with that kind of efficiency, you can just charge 100 basis right. points. Um, and Yeah, the RA himself, to you yeah. and I as, cons- as consumers. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this is part of the relentless efficiency of the ETF. Correct. So it's not just the efficiency of the ETF, but you can now provide platforms for the for an registered, you know, uh, an RIA uh, that drives the cost down. Their cost to down. Him, Correct. Yeah. Uh, provides options for the clients. Yeah. And essentially, continues to provide a reason why people should take money out of mutual funds and put, them, put them into yes. ETFs. Right. Um, we were talking on the show with Ben Slavin um, from BNY Mellon about active ETFs, and I made a joke, but you know, within a year we're going to have 100, all 100 biggest stocks are going to have leverage and inverse yeah. single stock ETFs. I wasn't really joking. I mean, don't don't. No, that'll happen. There, there's going to right. tell us what's going to happen with these single stock ETFs. I, I believe, as we said, the the large mega cap non volatile names. Um, We'll have them. It'll be interesting. They just won't get a ton of volume. Like at any given point, why would you short Ford? Right. You know, uh, or you know, or a product like that, or, or GE. You know. But they're not going to be the one. Um, they it's won't. Not the low, it's Tesla, low beta. Nvidia. Yeah, it's, Nvidia. It's, exactly. Right. Um, and I will tell you that the warning sign is this: they will. You know, there's no free lunch. There is there is now lunch. I guess is a good way to put it, right? If you were, right. if you couldn't short, now you can. So you have a new menu item. Right. But just keep in mind that what will happen is on really big down days of the of earnings or a miss or or a takeover or, you know, he's going to now I'm going to buy Twitter again. Right. And, and it's all coming. All the, that's going to be a lot of news around that. When you are paying that ETF, when you're trading it that day on your Robinhood platform, you will most likely be paying a real premium to short it on a down day or a discount to buy it on an up day. Right. Because you have to. You have well, to. Well, how do you action. get? How does the premium get expressed? You're 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 already paying a well, fee. Well, yeah, but the market maker. So let's just say if Tesla's down ten percent, it wouldn't surprise me if you're buying the short down fifteen or twenty. Because like, so the how other does side this change hedge. the underlying price of Tesla? Yeah. I mean, is it how how does that it until how does it that gets interact? really big? It won't, but it just means more trading because the you go buy the short, the market maker has to turn around and buy the stock as his hedge. He's, you're not both short, right? He sells it to you. He has to go buy Tesla. So it kind of has a counterbalance there. But like I said, on a day where it's really down, you're, they're just going to drive the price of the ETF where it is attractive for them to be buying Tesla long as you are shorting it. Well, that's simple to explain, right? If they're forced to buy it, they're going to move the market down to where it's at least they're, okay, Bob, you want to short Tesla at 10, fine, but you're going to short it. Real, it's really down 
15 or 20 percent so I can buy it there and I have a spread to so make my I, money back. I know I'm getting into bait, yeah. weeds a little bit, but it's, suppose you have it, a, a, an ETF that comes out that's uh, one-time inverse. Uh, so if Tesla's up 1 percent, you're down percent yeah. and the opposite. You're essentially, you know, betting. Uh, you're betting against Tesla. Correct. Right? And for that day, it will work. On, on, if it's not, if it's obviously, if Tesla 1%, that's not a busy day for Tesla. You know? yeah. So the inverse will, should work up until that day. And you know, again, without getting into the weeds, when we get into the reset at night, that's just when yeah. you have to be careful. The reset will reset the leverage with a swap trade that's done with a well, bank. That's, that's where I'm getting in the weeds, how that actually is done, how the swap is done, yeah. and does that ultimately in any way impact the underlying stock? I don't think so at the current levels, but it'll be very interesting to see when these things are, I've garnered 500 million, a billion dollars in assets. That's what I want to keep an eye on, because yeah. I think that can happen with certain stocks. But if the, if the traders use it correctly, Bob, meaning the clients, the consumers use it correctly and don't hold the products over time, then the AUM will also reset itself every day. Yeah. Theoretically. Yeah. All right, Andrew, good talking with you as always. Uh, Andrew McCormick is the managing director and founding partner at Wallet Best Capital. And everybody, thank you for joining us on the ETF Edge podcast. Invesco QQQ believes new innovations create new opportunities. Become an agent of innovation. Invesco QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc.